Welcome to the Jackets Online Podcast. This is our post-signing day edition. Uh, Russell and I needed a little bit of a break. Uh, this is Kelly Quinlan joined by Russell Johnson. We need a little bit of a break uh, after the insanity of Wednesday. So we decided to record this Thursday night, put it out to you on Friday. Um, and it was, uh, you know, on my end, like looking at it big picture, like nationally, Russell, it was one of like the craziest signing days I've ever seen. Georgia Tech was not super drama-y. Um, you know, there's really only one sort of true point of drama because you do a good job of, of kind of preparing everyone for everything that goes on. But um, actually, it was like, holy cow, it was a mess. Um, yeah, Deion Sanders landing the top player in the country at Jackson State um, from Florida State. No one really expected that. Um, what's funny is apparently that had been in the works for weeks. So, um my buddy works uh, works with Dion a little bit, and he was telling me the story backstory of it. Uh, he actually knew about this, was sworn to secrecy, and he was telling me, "Oh yeah, Dion had been talking about it to to all of us for a while, but they were going to get this kid." And Florida State had no idea, and that was pretty funny. Um, a lot of guys just opted not to sign. Um, that was a big thing. Uh, you had, you know, rivals poaching each other for kids. Um, just all sorts of fun stuff going on. And uh, yeah, there was a linebacker who committed to South Carolina last weekend. And uh, like Maryland came in second and uh, everybody was like freaking out a little bit up there in DC. And then Wednesday comes and he's one of their first letters of intent. And it was just like, what? Yeah. There was some of that too. That was funny. Like you would see like, maybe like the most shocking LOI was like one of the first ones the school would announce. Like they'd just be like, boom, there you go. Like we got this dude. So it was a, it was an interesting day. Georgia tech with a small class as of right now, uh, was it 13? Is that right? High school kids. Um, I think 15. Oh, you mean like how many they signed? Yeah. That signed. It was uh 13. Yeah. Cause there's, yeah, three. they signed 13. Yeah. Three uncommitted, quote unquote, guys uh, um, did not sign. Bobby Mooney um, is probably the Cade Coots of this class, a guy that uh, when there's space later will, I think, come um, via what is a blue shirt? Is that what that is when school starts? Um, Janari Bonner, who was the surprise non signing. And Greg Delaney, who you told everyone was not going to sign with Georgia Tech and is probably not really committed, but hasn't said that yet um, publicly. Right. Yeah. I mean, he's uh, he's in that gray area where I could probably take him off the commitment list and be correct. But I could also take him off the commitment list and get absolutely blasted by people. So, I, you know, just just rather leave him leave it there. Um, you know, he'll announce it when he wants to. I did the same thing with, with, you know, Bonica. I did the same thing with Alton Tarber. I did the same thing with um, uh, Teron Kelman. I did the same thing with Nate Kariski. Um, I think um, the if, if I had to have a, a storyline or like a headline for um, for this week for, for Georgia Tech, it would be something along the lines um, where talking about this, um, this, this test score requirement that, I don't know why it, it is it, it impacted this class as much as it did compared to, to other classes, but 
um, the way that, that COVID kind of opened things up in terms of eligibility and, um, you know, kids not having to take the AC, ACT and SAT and in the previous the, cycle. Yeah. In the, in the yeah. 20, 21 class. Right. And in the 22 class. And, you know, as a result, these, these kids aren't, aren't taking the ACT, aren't taking the SAT. Like there's a kid who signed with Miami yesterday who hasn't taken the ACT or SAT. And he, he signed up to take it in February, but at that point, it's really kind of like, it, it really doesn't matter that much compared to um, if he were to have signed with a school like Georgia Tech, where it's a requirement. He would have had to take the ACT or SAT before he signed and had the results um, before he was able to sign a letter of intent. And just, you know, seeing the way all of these things played out, like, um, you know, three weeks ago, if you told me Georgia Tech was only going to sign 13 kids on signing day, I would have thought that, you know, they lost eight assistants to the new new jobs and um, a huge NIL deal was reached by, you know, one of their rivals or something like that. I would have never thought, you know, like I said, three weeks ago that they were only going to sign 13 yesterday. Yeah, I mean, the real – the the real tangible loss in the class is, is um, Willis, right? Like in terms of like, this is a huge deal. Alton Tarber was nice to have. They had two four-star defensive tackles for the first time in school history. You know, I saw Alton great player, freakish arm length, um, really nice kid, but again, fell into that trap that you're just speaking of with the testing. And then you look at like, you know, the rest of Jaron Willis was the big loss, right? Like, and that was, <laughs> you know, he recommitted, committed, did everything like dancing around committing, staying committed. Like his recruitment was just such a, um, so drama filled for, especially even at Georgia tech, like you usually don't see like that level of drama. One that could have been like that would have been Jameer Gibbs. Had he been a kid that was, actually vocal willis was like out on social media talking to people about what was going on which made it even crazier um but you know that's sort of the big loss but the rest of it sort of you know we'll see if they can sign bonner or not and the reality is a lot of guys just didn't sign so there's players out there you can go get that are comparable to most of these kids um it wasn't like you know even in bonner's case he's not a like rivals 100 guy or something if you know you don't sign them, then so be it. Like there's other comparable guys still available. So to me, like you, the Willis one was a true loss. Now the issue there is if he wanted to play safety, I think that was a mistake um, for him long term. But I think he's a linebacker. But you know that that's a whole other discussion, and maybe they made that bridge that gap eventually. But he was told he was going to play safety. So yeah, I'm fascinated to see what he's going to play at all at all Miss um, in terms of you know linebacker or safety because you know his weight like it, it's just going to be interesting to see. I, I hate using the word interesting so much, but I'm just fascinated to see number one, you know, if they they put weight on him, if they cut his weight, like because if you put a little bit more weight on him, he can play linebacker. Mm-hmm. If you you take the weight off of him, he can play safety. But I'm not sure if he's quick enough to play safety, especially in the SEC. Well, that was the rub. So like every coach that I talked to um, that, you know, kind of saw him play and knew about his recruitment and stuff was like wondering how he fit into fit into their scheme and, and 
you know, they have literally um, Otis Reese, uh, who's who's there, who was um, from his school and and a similar guy, but smaller. Like he, like Otis Reese, isn't as big as Willis in terms of physically. So I, I imagine that's sort of what Ole Miss probably sold him on. That you're going to be that guy. He's their nickel. Um, they use that kind of like as a linebacker, safety, corner, hybrid. I just I don't see him being that guy. I think he's like a weak side linebacker eventually and needs to bulk up and embrace that and make money that way. But we've seen clearly at Georgia tech evidence in the past of guys not being willing to do that. So maybe it ends up being a best case scenario. You don't have a guy who's going to be unhappy playing a position that maybe he didn't want to or whatever. And at the end of the day, if that's the only guy they lost, they got the two D tackles they wanted. They got some offensive linemen, they got the quarterback that they really needed that uh, Chip Long's really excited about the offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, I was talking to Zach Pyron's dad. He was telling me that they spent a lot of time with Chip, just kind of going over the offense, breaking down how Zach will fit into it. He gets to come in and compete with Jeff Sims. There's going to be a ton of reps there. Um, you know, even if they add another quarterback in the portal, that's still three. They have two walk-on or three walk-on quarterbacks and that's it right in that room. So, um, it's going to be a pretty clean slate and, and, you know, the days of, you know, just being Jeff Sims job for sure are, are over chip long play anybody. And, uh, you know, I had a pretty quick hook with Brandon Wimbush at, at Notre Dame, as I recall, I think that's who it was. Is that their quarterback? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure with, and then they ended up with Ian book being the guy eventually, but, um, that whole thing's going to be crazy to me. And, that's one of the things I want to watch in terms of uh, what what the spring looks like at Georgia Tech. But you know, offensively, um, they they you know they got the things they needed, right? Like that's the biggest thing that you can look at from the signing day. Russell is they checked off the boxes, right? You needed running backs. They were able to convince Jemias to come back for another year. Jemias Griffin, uh, who had entered the portal, withdrew his name. So you have him and Dante as your two returning backs that can both be starter level guys. Uh, Dante has a chance to be really special if he can do what he's done in limited action in full games. You have Antonio Martin and Antonio is an early rollie, right? Is that right? Yeah. So he'll be there in the spring and then um, give another sort of complimentary back. You know, it's interesting. The one thing that sort of worked out really well for Chip Long too in the offense is he likes powerful running backs that like to run downhill and he has three of them. Uh, that who will have in the spring in terms of, you know, Smith, Griffin, and and now Antonio Martin that can do that, that are physical running backs. They're not afraid of contact. And then you add Jamie Felix, who's a little more of a flexible back, but is not a small guy by any stretch. And he'll be, I guess, in, in, in the summertime. And, and, you know, they've re it's amazing how much that room's changed, right? Like, um, and just, you know, five months, you know, we went from Jameer Gibbs and, and uh, JP Mason and Dante and Jemias to Dante Jemias and um, two freshmen. So that's sort of a big change there. Uh, you know, kind of, you know, we, we got to see the quick romance with Jamie Felix. Is there anything you want to kind of background that you want to talk about there? Well, I mean, you know, there had been contact there. It was kind of always like a, you know, you're just keeping it warm. Like you would never actually turn the burner off. You would always leave the burner on and you would always just be trying to keep the, keep the meat warm. 
And um, you know, as, as time went on and you know, it got to be, I would say, what if I went through my messages, I could tell you the exact days. Um, but the things really started picking up um, after the season ended. And, you know, Georgia Tech at first was you know, telling him, you know, go ahead and go to Georgia Southern for the weekend. Um, go ahead and, you know, listen to South Carolina. Um, listen to, oh gosh, I can't remember what other schools it was. I know Florida was like talking a little bit, but like, you know, their whole staff turnover situation and everything. I think they were just and, trying to get their bearings on what was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, goodness gracious, Florida lost half their class. Um, but anyways, with Felix, uh, like I said, you know, things kind of came together like that. Um, originally they were going to visit him in January. They were going to do an in-home. Uh, they were going to have Collins at the end home. And then things escalated when, you know, other running backs at the portal. And then um, the, the real first sign that, that choice was gone was when uh, Marco Coleman was doing in-home visits by himself with Jamie Felix and, you know, meeting with him, going to the school, meeting with the coaches, um, you know, just all of that. It just kind of escalated quickly. Uh, Felix always kind of wanted to to stay close to home. His family was was just so excited when I talked to to them after the the Georgia Tech official visit. Um, like you could see the excitement on Felix's face. It was kind of like a, a dream come true type thing for him. I mean, goodness, he was him and his family um, on on Saturday. He said he didn't. I didn't put this in the story. At least I don't think um, on Saturday during the visit. His parent, his family went to the bookstore. Oh no, that's went, in the story. Yeah, yeah, it's in. The, and, I think um, it might be in the commitment story because the ironic thing there is we had to do two different stories on him because of um, the way his commitment went down. Yeah, and, and right that, off on the heels of his visit. Yeah, it, it was it was done. He had uh, he had actually committed uh, while he was there. Uh, he's one of those ones that did that, and then you know had the photo shoot. Waited for the results from the photo shoot and that the edit from it and then went ahead and committed originally it was supposed to be um later i think it was supposed to be monday or even even possibly tuesday um just to kind of you know let things temper down a little bit or you know get down a little bit and then um it ended up actually happening while i was in the airport security line and i was i was next and i was uh, i was tweeting the link and you could see the guy starting to get impatient with me. I'm like, hold on one second. I'll tweet. <laughs> I didn't tell him what I was doing, but I'm kind of like, you know, you, you just got to hold on. And meanwhile, there's thousands of people behind me in line. And, well, that's just, that's just how it goes. Like, I, like I said on the message board, that's the probably the second craziest time I've ever posted a story. So what's funny about Jamie Felix is his backstory is he was a, a national recruit in 2019 as a sophomore um, with offers from Alabama, Florida, Florida state, LSU, Nebraska, Ohio state. He was as big of a running back target as there was in the state of Georgia and probably one of the top five running back targets in the Southeast on a whole um, as, you know, as underclassmen, then he has an injury and, and it all kind of dried up on him and, I mean, it almost looked like he was, you know, he could have ended up at Georgia Southern or something if things not worked out the way they did. Um, He was a guy who got hurt, too, by the small class numbers for a lot of schools, too. Like, uh, you know, it was a a luxury to take two running backs for a lot of programs. Georgia Tech was not one of them that was doing that. So, 
it's very funny and also a great baseball player too. So, um, you know, kind of a nice pickup for them to get someone that, uh, just as kind of a versatile athlete, a, a guy that if, you know, we had told you he was going to sign in 2019 or early 2020, people would have been stoked about this one and flying under the radar. Cause his, you know, ranking dropped his stock kind of fell off and people just kind of want to see him healthy. I think he's still not probably, back to exactly where he's going to be eventually, especially if you give him time with the strength and conditioning program and the college level. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now he is not enrolling early. He will be playing baseball at Camden County this season. And then we'll go from there. I don't, I don't believe he's a draft risk, but uh, you, never you never know with baseball. That's one of those weird things with, um, but yeah, probably not. I think we would have, He'd have been talking about it more, I think, if that was something that was legitimately on the table. Um, and you might not have seen Georgia Tech go in in that case because they really can't afford to be down another running back at this point. They needed to sign one sort of regardless of uh, – they needed someone available immediately, right? So um, Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't foresee that becoming an issue. But, um, I, you know, that, that side of things actually could play a role in their uh, 23 class, though especially with quarterbacks. Yeah, there's a there's always a lot of interesting quarterbacks that play baseball. Um and and that's always sort of a fun thing. The one that's, you know, the two sport one that never works is basketball because of the way the seasons overlap, but yeah. baseball, a lot of guys can play baseball and football. Um and, you know, there uh Jamie Felix would be far from the the first one to do it on the flats, so uh, you know, good luck to him. Hopefully he can figure that out. Either one guy, I think that, um, you know, I talked about kind of being an unsung hero and something I mentioned to Jeff Collins on signing day was, um, you know, was Kyle Eford and, you know, they need a productive linebacker, a big body guy. He fits that mold. He is a big Mike linebacker, uh, can make tackles and, and is not afraid of contact. And that's something that they've kind of been lacking. They don't have, um, they haven't had a big physical, like strong tackling middle linebacker in, you know, God knows how long now. Cause really going, even like a guy like Quez is a hair undersized. Um, they haven't had that guy who's going to be, you know, six foot three, 245 pounds by the time he leaves college. And Kyle has that potential if he gets a little bigger to be like a massive middle linebacker. And, um, you know, we were both impressed with his athleticism this summer too. That was the one thing that sort of freaky about him. That was the thing that Jeff picked up on was like, you know, most guys that are built like him are kind of stiff and he's not at all. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was the, that was the big thing. Um, I actually remember, uh, you know, talking to some sources inside of the state of Georgia going into that, uh, that seven on seven, you know, little, that spurt of time where, you know, Georgia tech was hosting really good talent on campus. And um, you know, everybody was eager to watch um, Dekula play because they wanted to see, number one, what life with the new coaching staff looked like, and number two, what it, Kyle was going to look like and if he was able to, to you know, play at that, that type of speed because you know, seven-on-seven seven and linebackers don't always get along the best. Um, but, but Kyle you know, put on a show. I believe he was playing both ways. He was making, he was making plays. I mean, he got them all the way to the, the semis. Um, in that tournament before I believe they lost to Grayson. May have yeah, been that Grayson. might have been I, right. Yeah. I don't remember exactly who it was they lost to, but it was not a uh, 
it was not a, a one they were not supposed to lose. Um, but yeah, you know, his athleticism and um, uh, ball skills and, and really his just overall ability, um, you know, talking to him after his official visit last weekend as well, uh, you know, he just felt like as soon as the playoffs came on, it was just his time. And, um, you know, he carried them as far as he could on both sides of the ball. Heck, he was even punting at one point. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's, you know, not a bad thing to have on your resume. Uh, imagine Jeff Collins enjoys trick plays. That would be pretty funny to see him drop back and fake like he's going to um, take off and then like line drive a punt down the field. That would, that would be a, a funny kind of um, little wrinkle you could put in. Cause a lot of times your protectors linebacker, um, you know, Demetrius Knight has been doing it for uh, a while for Georgia tech. So you could see him uh, and he can run the football too. So that gives you that nice kind of versatility, like in, from a personal, personal protector on the punt team. That's, we really just got into the weeds, didn't we? Um, <laughs> but, you know, as we look at the class, um, the one thing, and I wrote about this on Jackets Online on Thursday night, but, uh, you know, there's still some holes in the secondary. And um, that's where I'm, I think you're going to see Travaris Tillman's influence start to come into play a little bit here you know they they have guys who can play corner like Clayton Powell Lee can play corner Jalen Marshall can play corner I don't know if Rodney Shelley can or not but um they don't have true corners yet and obviously they're targeting some some more safeties they offered a kid from Samford Thursday night um Chris Edmonds so it's going to be interesting to see. I think that's an area where you're still going to see some movement um, and maybe even see portal movement there both ways. Uh, I just am not totally set. I, I don't think the secondary is totally set yet for Georgia tech. And I think I'll be really curious to see who they target here, both high school wise and in the portal going forward as they try to, to improve that production. And obviously they have some decent pieces. You have Zamari Walton back and miles Sims back who both played well. You know, the two guys who struggled the most at corner, Trace Willing and Tobias Oliver, both declared for the draft. And then you have a, a bunch of guys who didn't play a lot. Kenyatta Watson didn't play very much, played basically one game of actually playing reps at corner. And Keenan Johnson, who had played a lot in 2020, barely played this past year. So uh, you have those guys. You have Miles Brooks, who was signed as a corner, was playing safety and nickel this past year. Do they move him back? Do they move, uh, you know, Jalen Huff back? They keep those guys at safety. It's going to be really interesting to see where they line up. I'm willing to bet that Derek Allen will be playing corner, though. Um, that seemed like a, a, a mistake uh, to, to get a big physical corner out there. It just seemed like he was not comfortable playing out there. I hope they move him back to safety. I think he's better suited for that. But, you know, it, it's interesting to see where these pieces fit in and where they're going to what they're going to target here going forward. Cause I do think there's going to be a lot of corners and DBs in the, in the portal that you can go pick up. It's just the question of, you know, the issue with Georgia tech too, is can you get them in the school? So the most part, they have to take guys who are either underclassmen or graduate students. So that's the sort of catch 22 with those guys as well. Can they get them into school? And that's where Patrick set and his staff make all their money. They got to figure that stuff out and, sort through the the whatever how many kids do you know even know what it is right now the portal number um a lot <laughs> i mean only was it uh our thing tweeted out that 16 and a half or 17 percent of kids 
Bitcoin and the portal actually have a landing place right now. That gives you an idea of the sort of depth of, of how much is there. You just got to sift through it, right? Because um, there are busts. There are guys who didn't develop, guys with, you know, who have issues and the reason why they're leaving places. And then there's guys who just need a fresh start too. So you got to find that balance. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 100%. I think, you know, when you you kind of look at, at that, I don't – at the cornerback position and, and, and possibly even safety, but I think that you'll see them uh, target some players in the transfer portal rather than going the high school route. Um, I mean, maybe if you can find a, a corner or a safety at the high school route who didn't sign and, you know, wants to come visit next month and, and sign in February, then, you know, possibly – uh, but that would have to be on like a, a case-by-case basis. They're not going to go out and and seek a player at that position, in my opinion, um, at the high school level. Uh, you know, at the transfer portal, you you mentioned it, um, especially kind of like with the, the Kyrick McGowan situation last year. Um, I could definitely see uh, someone like a kid who is, you know, graduating this year, um, you know, making the decision to, you know, try to get to a school closer to home. Uh, I think that's what you're seeing a, a lot of times when you know kids are going up north or out west for college uh you know they just they homesick um you know happens all the time that's just i mean just ask Shaden Peary. yeah and you know when you look at the the transfer portal right now um in terms of guys who are uncommitted and unsigned the majority of them are not what we would call elite guys or they're guys with academic issues or guys who haven't taken tests or things like that. I think there's 25 guys who are three-star or better pure corners that are, are in the portal right now. And then there's probably whatever equal number of athlete guys that could play corner. Um, and then maybe some safety hybrids, but, you know, I, I'm thumbing through this list right now and there's no one really popping at me where I'm like, Oh, that's, that's a guy I would take like absolutely right now. So I could see how they, they're going to look at the portal there and, and, you know, maybe there's one or two guys worth chasing, but um, it, this is going to be interesting. And, and it's going to be interesting too, because as you chase guys, particularly the high school ones right now, a lot of these schools like Florida that were left scrambling um, anyone that hired a coach late, they're going to be kind of in this weird mode where they're trying to play catch up too. So you're going to have, you're going to see some weird offers go out to guys like from Oklahoma or, Florida or whatever to take a guy or Miami where they had a coaching change so close in that, um, you know, it, it's interesting, like the Miami one, like Jaden Harris, who we talked about earlier, like he, if, you know, Mario Cristobal doesn't take over there. I don't think he ends up at, I think he ends up not signing anywhere and punting to February probably. Um, well, he actually committed to Manny Diaz. I don't know if you, you kind of, uh, kept up with like everything but no uh, i did i mean i was keeping up with him because i had a buddy (laughs) ironically this is one of the weird things about our business i had a buddy who was asking me about that kid but um i don't know if he was staying on the boat in the situation they were in um with manny and and what was going on there had that had cristobal not gotten hired like um you know that's that's a whole other interesting saga we could talk about you know, play who, who did the worst job of coaching change, right? Like in the, in the, in the transfer portal era, that's a whole other, other discussion to have too. I'd like to share a word with you now about our sponsor, 
Section 103, who bring you the best Georgia Tech clothes out there. Original, interesting clothing with the official Tech gold and the official word mark and things that are hard to find anywhere else. I think it's the best uh, best tech apparel you can find on the interwebs. It's like the stuff that coaches wear. It's really cool. You get the AT, ATL logo that they have. Um, all the stuff super comfortable, super cool. And they even have youth sizes and women's clothes and, and are constantly adding things. I think uh, the guy who does it, I've gotten to know a little bit through uh, social media and he just does an amazing job. Jackets Online uh, subscribers can get a discount of 10% off their first order by using the code Jackets Online, all caps. And check out section103.com. Um, great website. They have all kinds of cool stuff. And, and, you know, people for years have been asking me for cool Georgia Tech designs, unique things. Um, and even the coaches are starting to wear that stuff. You know, Andrew Thacker is wearing uh, one of the shirts at practice, which I thought was really cool and something I pointed out, not knowing that it was one of these designs. So check out our sponsor, Section 103. Great, great company. switching gears now let's talk about just um you know kind of what you, what do you see as being the number going forward um for the for the you know additions maybe via the portal or signing like how many more high school kids do you think they sign how many portal um, kids it seems like it's very fluid right yeah yeah i mean goodness gracious don't hold me to this number in february um i'd say I don't know i'm thinking in the double digits to overall yeah i mean they have uh by our count 22 ships i think right now uh without any further attrition and they only signed 13 kids so that's nine you're gonna have at least three or four more guys leave between yeah. now and, and august so um yeah i could see you know between eight and ten the offensive line will be really interesting to watch there what what Brent Key decides to do in terms of how many guys is he going to take, you know, how many guards, how many tackles. Yeah. You know, um, obviously the guys he knows well that are in the portal right now that we've talked a lot about uh, Pierce quick and, and uh, Paul Tio um, from Clemson, those guys, you know, those are the ones to watch, but there's a lot other guys. That's not the, the end all be all. I know coach key, uh, my sources has been turning over every rock trying to find offensive linemen um, that can come in and can contribute or compete or win a starting job. So I expect that that's one that could be interesting. I think that's a fluid number, right? Like the offensive line number. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, that's a fluid number. And then I think they get, they take two receivers. I think they'll take a, a transfer and I think they'll also sign a high school kid whether that be Bonner, whether that be the kid they offered from Texas today, um, whether that be, you know, there's obviously several other receivers. There's a lot of talented receivers, honestly, who didn't sign, um, at least yet this week. Um, and then I don't know if everybody knows this, but, you know, the, the signing period ends tomorrow. Um, kids can still sign tomorrow. Um, I know Georgia Tech would still love for Bonner to sign uh, this period. Um, but, you know, after talking to him, after talking to, to other people around Cedar Grove, it, it's not it, it's not he's not signing um, until February. 
Um, so what's going to happen there is, is that, you know, Bonner will, uh, you know, take visits. Uh, he'll have in-home visits with other schools. Uh, it'll, it'll just be kind of a, a race to the finish line, honestly, for, for, for tech fans. I would, that's how I would kind of explain it. Uh, you know, he's still committed to Georgia tech. Um, that's, that's just the situation. Yeah. I think those situations are generally always going to be a little bit fluid and, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Um, one of the funny ones that didn't sign by the way, was, uh, former Georgia tech commit Julian Lewis. Uh, I don't know if you knew that the kid from, uh, Western. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he had a pretty good year. Yeah. He, uh, I'm not sure what's going on with him, but he ended up not signing anywhere. Um, I just thought that was kind of interesting as I was thumbing through the list of guys who didn't sign. I do expect them to try to add some size on the outside with the receiver position. They want a bigger guy who can go get it if they can find one of those. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Especially to take a little bit of pressure off of Leo. Yeah. So that's the, so that's the whole other X factor, right? You got Leo coming off an ACL, um, Leo Blackburn in terms of looking at what his production is going to be like, uh, you know, it, typically takes 18 months for a guy to be like really fully back back. Some guys get back a little sooner, but for the most part, it's like 18 months till you're like totally, you know, where you were before, maybe sometimes even better. And um, I, you know, I think they need to not be expecting him to play, you know, 50 snaps a game at outside receiver and, and burning guys like he was before he got hurt. I think, you're, that's too much pressure on a kid like that. I think you got to try to bring him along and let him do his thing. It'll be interesting to see how Chip Long uses him too, because he was really creative with inline receiver sets and, and using bigger body guys like Leo or PJ Harris, almost like tight ends um, in terms of how they released in the middle of the field. And, and that was obviously a thing that Leo was pretty, uh, that a lot of schools were attracted to him. It's interesting, you know, um, with uh, Demarius Thomas passing away, he had a very similar recruitment to Leo Blackburn, where a lot of schools wanted him as a, a tight end and didn't necessarily see uh, him as an outside receiver. And then obviously Bebe played, you know, in the NFL for over a decade as an outside wide receiver. So uh, I think it's all about, you know, and, and looking at Leo, he hasn't gotten fat. He's in great shape. Um, I saw him probably like two weeks ago. Um, he, he, you know, getting around fine. Like he's really excited about the future. You know, we talked to the two Westlake kids that played with him, Horace and, and Clayton, and they both mentioned that, you know, he's doing really well and excited to come back. So I think that's going to be a really, that's one of those, he's one of those guys that people are probably sleeping on a little bit that don't understand maybe how talented he truly was and what a loss that was for this team this past year, losing a guy like that, that was a matchup nightmare. Cause they don't really have, they have a bunch of guys who are like six, two, six, three um, or shorter. And you know, guys who can run like Nate McCollum or, or Jamal Haynes or Malik Rutherford, but you know, having a guy who's six, four plus that can go up and get the f- football uh, is just a different difference maker and uh, something you know, they have not had at wide receiver since this staff's been here. So um, hopefully Leo can, can get it going and, and that'd be really big, you know, as we kind of wind down here, um, is there anything in particular, like any one, 
maybe surprise spot you could see Georgia Tech taking someone at like something maybe like you know they recorded uh, recruited the Kobe Turner kid that seemed a little bit out of left field with with the defensive line I think they just like that liked him in particular and their spot checking guys but is there any spot in particular you see maybe them trying to go after here uh, with these last few spots that that maybe would surprise people. Oh, I mean, you could stick with the the D line, and and you could talk about you know former Oregon defensive tackle Jason Jones. Uh, you know the um, the he was a, a top Georgia Tech target, and at several points during the cycle, felt like a at least in his mind, not his family's mind, felt like he was going to Georgia Tech. Like that was going to be the move for him. That was his best spot. I feel like we had a commitment story, like sitting the whole time, like for like months in the admin with him. Yeah. Like where was, we had something ready to go in case he did do it. Yeah. And then um, he got on the phone with some people in December, uh, didn't sign. And then um, Oregon came in, crystal ball and everything. And um, that was really it. Um, there were several other schools in the mix then. And, my goodness, I can't keep track of how many offers he's gotten since um, since he has gotten to the portal. Um, let's see. I know Nebraska offered today. Oklahoma State offered today. Um, obviously, Georgia Tech offered. North Carolina offered. Uh, I mean, it, it's going to be a, a who's who of, of recruiting him. And I mean, it's not like he, he wasn't lighting the world on fire at Oregon. No. But he's, it, He's an uh, effective body on the defensive line who, you know, showed that he is healthy and, and able to contribute. And, and, you know, for him, I mean, that was a that was a big deal um, because if you look back at his recruitment, uh, you know, it was all about can he move? Can he move? And you know, Alabama held on to him as long as they could, you know, hoping they were able to, to gray shirt him or. Well, I think they wanted to make him an offensive lineman at one point, too. Like, I think that was part of their discussion with him. Like they weren't sure he was a D tackle. Um, so, you know, that's a whole other interesting thing. And the thing is, is at Oregon, he was, yeah, his production wasn't great. And he had some bad games, but, you know, he had some good games too. He flashed at times. He was playing, you know, nose tackle, playing left and right D tackle, showing a lot of versatility in their defense because they were pretty multiple on defense. Yep. <laughs> um. You know, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Hopefully he took care of his schoolwork. That's the one thing you get nervous about with these kids who are very young right out of um, right out of high school is sometimes there's that freshman edge where you you get dig a little hole for yourself. So hopefully he was taking care of it in the classroom, too. Uh, judging by people jumping in, uh, they must feel pretty good about it, I guess. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, uh, I'd expect Larry Knight to be um, heavily involved in that one and as soon as they allow in-home visits, I would be shocked if uh, Larry and Brent weren't one of the first at his house. I would think that'll be um, the second week of January, probably, or third week, depending on how the, how January falls. Yeah, um, to the second or third week. I know um, the recruiting calendar is kind of screwed um, in terms yeah, of give, giving the kids much time to visit and coaches to visit before signing day. Yeah, it's weird because the first is on a Saturday, so the it pushed everything back. Basically, you lost almost a week uh, because of that. The way the calendar works now, because they want two dead weeks in January. Yeah. So, so um, I guess maybe the seventeenth is the first 
that might be the first live day. It's a Monday or that Sunday. I forget how the, if they do it Sunday or Monday, but um, yeah, it would probably be a Sunday. So 16th um, would be probably the first live day. We haven't, haven't even started thinking about that. Um, just trying to get through the end of this month and see who ends up committing publicly. At least, you know, they got Luke Benson on board, obviously Brent keys trying to close his offensive linemen, get them on yep. campus. And then chip longs trying to close his, well, I fully, I fully believe he did close his quarterback. It just hasn't um, reached the public, public airwaves yet. Yeah. And, you know, it'll be and interesting. His name is not Harrison Bailey. Well, it'll be interesting too. Uh, yeah. I, I think that one's like tough. Like uh, Harrison Bailey, like, that's just a tough situation for them to jump into and in the situation the staff is in right now. Like I, to me, that seems like a bad idea. Um, I've, I've, he's quite a polarizing recruit. Let's put it that way. Um, we, as, even if those who've been on jackets online, have seen the the varied opinions of people who, who a lot of whom have, you know, decent opinions or follow, follow um, college sports or high school sports really closely He's, he's quite polarizing, but um, yeah, I'm curious to see. I'm curious if they take a fourth quarterback, like uh, they try to get another one, you know, in, in May or even in before February for, for the summertime, because going into a season with three scholarship quarterbacks seems like a kind of dangerous plan. Um, so that's going to be another interesting thing. I mean, normally you want four or five on scholarship. So yeah, there's a ton in the there's a ton in the portal right now. Um, there's a ton of quarterbacks in the portal right now, so uh, it should be pretty interesting to see who they add, who, what Jeff Collins does here. And obviously, the thing I wrote about on on Thursday night is, you know, they got to win, right? So that's going to be the chief driver of every decision here going forward. Um, with the the portal stuff is like who gives us the best opportunity to win now you know we got to win this year what do we need where do we need depth let's focus on that you know and with the portal now you can you don't have to be so dead set on i need eight corners and i need eight safeties and i need whatever because you can backfill those later if you need to so you could see some some lopsided uh you know things where maybe they have more numbers at D tackle, right? Like as they try to find a combination of four or five guys that can get things done in the inside and get some pass rush, you know, Jason Jones didn't play a lot. He had two sacks, which is probably a lot more production than most of Georgia tech's defensive tackles had this year. So uh, in terms of sacks, you know, like that's good. Like you need some guys who can do that stuff. Like who can give you some, some wiggle, some, some bounce. And uh, I'm really curious to see how this is all going to end up. I'm not down. You know, a lot of people were down. They were 44th in the rivals rankings or whatever, but they signed 13 kids. Like are things set up for, you know, if you sign 20 as a baseline and that's going to be something interesting to discuss going forward. Um, does is if the portal keeps being such a big factor, do we change that formula? How do we change a formula? How does it make more sense for, for the size of classes that people are signing? And I don't know how the hell you, you grade transfers either, man. But um, so Georgia Tech is uh, fifth in the conference in average stars, which is the 
the correct variant until you get full class assigned. They're behind Carolina, Florida State, Miami, Clemson, and then Georgia Tech's right there. So that's pretty good company if you're you're uh, you're Jeff Collins to be in in terms of recruiting. Yeah, I think, and I think if uh, you know, like you were talking about, if the transfer portal you know continues its uh, takeover of the recruiting game. I think that, you know, you would have to, to really either um, possibly even just rank them off of their um, either average rivals rating or even there's the, the average star rating like you were talking about, um, because at that point, it's a much more, I don't know, like worthwhile measurement compared to the, the actual our actual team rankings right now, which for a lot of schools who aren't signing these full 25 man classes, uh, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of tough on them and beats them up. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of interesting too. Like if you look at like, say, you know, two examples, like we just talked about Jason Jones, right. Who was a you know, high profile recruit out of high school, but his college production's okay. And he's young and hasn't played a ton. And then Luke Benson, who was a two-star recruit that went to Syracuse and, and put up some decent numbers. It's, you know, they're almost maybe level in terms of their value as a transfer. So how do you rank that? Like, um, that's where this gets interesting to me. And like, I don't, you know, other companies are trying to rank transfer guys. I think that's like a full-time job for one person, if you're going to do that. And it maybe takes more than that. I have no idea. Like, are you going to start watching film, like from practice? Like how the hell do you evaluate these kids and give them a ranking like that are transfers that haven't played? Like, that's like Chaden Perry, you know, left Georgia Tech, Chaden Perry. And how do you rank him, right? Like he didn't play his senior year in high school. He didn't play at Georgia Tech. He maybe has some cut-ups from practice at Georgia Tech to show people, but how do you evaluate that guy? And that's where I think the the big issue is going to come into this. Like um, as one of the networks has gone balls out to try to, like jump ahead of everybody in recruiting and ranking transfers. I think there's what you're seeing is basically all these G five schools that take crap loads of transfers showing up at the top end of that. And, you know, the reality is it's probably a mix of something and those numbers aren't really accurate. um, Especially if they're based on, on just straight high school rankings. Yeah. And I think that's what it, that's what it'll boil down to at the end. But, uh, we have we have come to the end of uh, this lovely session of, of podcasting. Uh, we would like to thank everybody for listening. Stay tuned. Uh, like uh, and make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we're on most of the favorite podcast platforms. And uh, stay tuned to Jackets Online, where crazy things are happening every single day, and we cover the jackets like no other. Um, for Russell, I'm Kelly. This has been the Jackets Online podcast. Thank you.